sorry, Uncle Rob, were we playing too loud? Too loud is not in my vocabulary. How dare you? Excuse me? How dare you call yourself a musician? Presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another new episode of the All Things Music Podcast. Coming at you in the midst of the chaos that is 2020. Uh, here with my boy, Ian Illyrian, right? Yeah. Birthday boy tomorrow, Mr. Uh, Gemini. Yes, sir. Yeah. What are you? What, are you doing anything cool for your birthday? I mean, I'm working, like an American, right? Yeah. Every day, man, I work. Yeah, yeah. And you got something in the works too. You got a couple things in the works. I don't know if you want to talk about any of them, but you got a couple things in the works. Give yourself a little flex. Come on, man. Uh, a couple I'm probably not legally allowed to talk about. But none of them that I know. Well, yeah. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Ian is. Investing time and money to make make his career better. I'll, I'll just say that, which is dope. And he's got you got some music coming out, right? Yeah, I got a EP coming out here in the next couple of weeks. I don't have a solid release date for it yet, but everything's done except for the art, which will be done today. So I'm sure I want to see what that art looks like. It's 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 uh it'll be different but not in a not in like a crazy different i don't know like abstract or like just like avant-garde or like what what are we talking about it's literally a rendition of my room at night <laughs> what <laughs> is there is there like a meaning behind that or is it just like kind of but like i mean my friends will know but like on the screens it's going to have my Artist name, which is going to be a whole new, it's going to be a whole new name, whole new type of sound. Whole I'm learning shit. I didn't know that either. Whole new names. So no more Illyrian or whatever. No. It's you're, you're just rebranding. Is it is it like a rebranding where your music's going to be rebranded too, like the sound and everything? Oh, yeah. This ain't going to sound like it's going to be surprising. It's Now I'm like, I'm hype, man. I'm hype. It's too bad we can't have like a like an EP release party. Although I saw Thursdays is actually throwing like a... Uh, it was nasty and slave. Yeah, they should have. They should have made it my damn birthday, dude. But. Nate, what the fuck are you doing? David, what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. Fucking friends of the podcast, and they won't even. They're supposed to be my, they're supposed to be my boys, man. Maybe you should just crash it. You know, I mean, so there's no dancing, and there's you have to sit down <laughs> unless you're going to the bathroom. I don't know some weird ass rules, but oh, I don't want my birthday to be remembered like that anyway. It'd probably be kind of yeah, not not very not very cool. <laughs> All right, enough about us. Uh, today we've got a guest that we've been planning to have for quite a while, and uh, understandably, a lot of things have happened since we originally planned it that have pushed it back, but we are so happy to have in the studio right now Mr. Justin Gracie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I'm so glad I got the last name right. We're sitting here before, we tried. and I'm trying <laughs> to like say it, and I keep saying it wrong, and I'm glad I got it right. But uh, You nailed it. Introduce like what I don't want to butcher you. I already butcher your name. I don't want to butcher your title. So what okay. do you what do you do? What are you all about? Um, so I'm currently the talent buyer at the House of Blues in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been at the House of Blues for about four years now. 
Um, I took over from being a junior buyer to the main town buyer That's back cool. in August. Is that was that like kind of like an apprenticeship type of thing where like you learned almost like shadowing the person, not not just shadowing. You obviously did things, but it when you got when you went from junior to like the guy, it was it was an easy transition because you just knew what to do already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's like three tiers of of different like levels of talent buyers at most places where it's like somebody that's doing a lot of the contract admin work and then somebody that's doing more so like smaller shows or like tribute bands and stuff like that and then you lead up into the the main shows basically so i was doing a mix of both of the positions that i mentioned at first for the first like three years and then uh for the past almost year now now you talk to all the vips the very important people you know the 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 big time bands well i mean you did right now we're just in kind of this limbo but yeah i mean we're still working um we're still booking in the future uh obviously we don't know if the time frame that a lot of people are looking at is realistic still um i think more so uh we're not going to see a steady flow of touring until next year. I was thinking the same. But yeah. Next summer is going to be like, I, I won't have a free day. I'm going to go Absolutely. to a concert like every day because <laughs> I just imagine in every major market, it will just be oversaturated with, with events. Yeah. It's hard to tell. I mean, next year is going to be crazy for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that want to catch up on this year. A lot of people that already had plans for next year and there's just a lot of revenue missing everywhere. So I, it, we'll see. Are you we'll noticing see. a lot of, like, the the bills of these tours? Are they saying, all right, we're just going to do the same bill next year? Or are you seeing a lot of restructuring? I think it, it depends. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, that's just straight up postponing, and then a lot of stuff that's canceling. Um, I would say that, in my opinion, it seems more so like everything's just going to be kind of a repeat of what was going to happen this year. Okay. But oh, obviously, my. there's there's schedule commitments that could happen yeah. with anybody, and anything can change at any time, sure. as, as we've seen. And I'm curious as as far as like these 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 festivals go too, because you yeah. work all year to put out this awesome lineup for the fans, and then something like this goes down, and then that whole all that work as a talent buyer for a festival. Festivals um, are definitely more tricky too, yeah. because um, there's a lot more like in advance scheduling that happens, and if you're on one schedule next year and it lines up with the schedule that you were supposed to be on this year, then you're not going to be on one of them. So right. there's going to be there's going to be differences in the festival lineups, I think for sure, more so than any of the tours or anything. Right. So as far as when COVID hit, your your job, your every day, your nine to five, or what what your workflow was like, ten to six, ten to six. <laughs> probably just completely changed overnight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing to me was when the NBA shut down yeah. that night. I think that was the night where I was like, well, shit, everything's about to shut down. It really 100%. was all about, what was it, Ru- Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And he, he got the, the, the COVID and um, I don't, you don't follow sports do you? No, 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 no. But uh, so this guy, so he got, um, he got sick, and this was right when everything was starting. And he was like, "Oh, I don't have COVID." And he goes and he like he's in a press conference, and he goes and he blows on all the mics and he touches all the mics because he was like, "Oh, this is a joke, you know, this isn't like a big deal." Next thing you know, some of these reporters get it. He get he tests positive for it. He's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I just did that and spread it to all these people." 
And from there, they were just like, and a couple of his teammates, I think his team, some of his teammates got it, or some yeah, of the teams co- he played got it. Yeah, a couple, I mean, it started, that that was at the point where it kind of just started spreading. So, yeah. I mean, the next couple of days, um, a lot of NBA players got it. A lot of, I mean, a lot, everybody was getting it at that point. That's when Tom Hanks got it. I think yeah. Tom Hanks, and then the night of that jazz game, um, was like the night that everybody started taking it a little more seriously. Um, there were things that were already dropping off a little bit before that as like international stuff, like international bands weren't going to come right. here. Um, but I would say that that night, I believe it was March 11th. Yeah. That sounds pretty on yeah. point. Yeah. Cause the, the last show I went to was March 12th in Chicago and it was the day before that. Okay. Cause I wasn't sure if the show was going to happen or not. We were at the House of Blues Cleveland for the fifteenth for for Bad Omens. We oh, were, okay, yeah. We, we were all yep. set to interview interview them, and we actually waited in the lobby for like two hours. Two hours because the the tour manager for them he was like, we don't know what's going on. And yeah, that was a tricky day. Yeah, and um, it all hit really fast. And I keep saying to Ian over and over, like, we both had to get up early, and we were like, all right, let's just go home. Whatever, we'll, we'll call tonight. We're gonna go to another show soon. Whatever. Yeah. Now knowing what what went down, and everything, I would have stayed until three a.m. if I needed to, because knowing that that was like my last live music for a long time. Yep. Oh, it still gets to me, man. But um, yeah, yeah so it was. Th- I mean, I definitely. I, I was making jokes that day that that this was going to be my last show of the year. <laughs> blah blah, and I didn't actually think that I was meaning it Careful at the time. What you wish for right, and it was. <laughs> so, man. So once that happened and everything just like shut down completely did you have a point in time where you weren't working or were you always trying to get ahead of things um definitely i mean work has not stopped um i would say that the absolute most manic part was that couple days after Mm -hmm. so like that march 11 march 12 13 14 i think i was just consistently emailing for hours every day and I couldn't really catch up because I had to postpone every single show that we have. Right. And then you have to coordinate it with people. And then the agents obviously are struggling to reroute an entire tour. And then at that point, I mean, people were postponing things into May and June. So it's like, because nobody knew how long this was going to be. Right. And obviously now all that stuff's postponing. So, I mean, it's it became a thing of repetitive postponements where you're just postponing things over and over again. But now I think we all have an understanding that that this year is basically just maybe off of limits it almost makes your job easier knowing the parameters of of things rather than having to keep pushing and pushing and and re rescheduling and being like okay 2021 probably gonna be our safe zone right some social distancing shows and we'll go from there right but also at the same time it's like if you were able to do shows in 2020 it's i mean we would like to and i would like to and i'm sure the bands would like to but it's also a matter of like, do fans feel safe? And there's a lot of precautions that you have to go in with it. And then, I mean, we might see that even lead into next year. So. And how much of how much of what you're you're doing is uh, in a, in collaboration with with government officials and with with health departments and things like that? I I'm personally not working directly with anybody. Um, I'm kind of just paying attention to what the governor is saying okay. and what like. I mean, I pay attention to everything every day, basically, with like the 
the allowing of like gatherings larger than whatever 10 people right but at, at the same time it's hard to say that like if we were able to do a social distance show and your capacity is cut into like a fourth of what it is it's like is it worth it at that point it's a toughie yeah. it's definitely interesting. and and i mean that are people going to enjoy themselves the same way that they enjoyed themselves before it's, it's i think that tough. depends on the show it does yeah you know like yeah. um i was just talking to your counterpart who's been on the podcast mike tata and he was telling me about the brad paisley fundraiser that they're having at the agora in september 19th i think it is yep and with a show like that where it's kind of chill you know you can kind of get away with those things mm-hmm. but Absolutely. i think if you're working with more high energy music it's not even a matter of like is it going to be fun or not but you're not gonna be able to control the crowd yeah there's certain there's certain types of of music that you just you just can't you can't get around these things so right. it's almost like you Someone you, you have to pay attention to that more than anybody else figuring out like what type of music might be appropriate for social distancing shows and what what type might have to wait until things are I don't want to say normal but as close as they're going to be yeah and I guess that's a struggle because your format might change a little bit for a while as far as what kind of acts consistently come through and and, and such so I, I got to imagine that's a bit of a calculated risk for you. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I think right now the main goal basically is to just abide by everything and make sure that we're not doing anything to endanger anybody's health. Right. Or, like, I, I just don't want to, like, disappoint anybody either. I'd rather, if we're putting on something, I'd rather it be exciting for them. Yeah. And I, it's it's hard to, like, keep the same magic there when you have to abide by all these rules and you have to look out for people's safety. It's not really the same fun environment that it no. used to be yeah no i totally understand that and and when it comes down to things like mosh pits and yeah crowd surfing and uh yeah, barricades I, and and all those things you, you you can't i mean you can tell people to not do it venues have been telling people to not mosh for 20 30 years now and people <laughs> still go ahead and do it yeah, you know absolutely. so yeah um that's why i say i think it's going to be longer for some of these other bands than than others you know yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people are hopeful that we'll find some type of vaccine within the next couple months. I mean, I know that initially it was supposed to take a year or whatever, but, I mean, things just change every day. Anything can happen. Yeah. I, I just, I'm more hopeful for next year than this year at this yeah. point, for sure. Um, so, the other thing is, I, I, I see this a lot lately, and maybe the last three or four weeks is, as we're opening up, the narrative's kind of changing, where yeah. it's this isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be, which the numbers do coincide with that. Um, and I know Dr. Amy Acton has the the ten person rule until July first. Let's say things continue to politically become a little less of a of a, of a alarmist type of thing, and it's like okay, we're starting to go back to normal. With especially with all these protesters now, and we're not seeing spikes, and and that we're quarantining the people that are at risk, and, and yada yada. And July first comes, and they say, okay, we're gonna lift that ban on ten people. Let's make it three hundred people. Well, they actually did just uh, weddings can have up to three hundred people now, which it, it, it's such a weird yeah. thing. That, that, that doesn't even make sense because how can people in a wedding in a hall? Exactly. Do their thing and dance around or do whatever the hell they do. 
Well, see, my personal opinion, I just don't think we're ready for anything like that, but there are a lot of things happening and a lot of rules being, like, uplifted and, like, things coming out. Mm-hmm. And I just, It's good signs. It, it's it's good sign for sure, but it just seems... If you're going to, like, half-ass everything, it's the same thing as yeah. opening that's everything. Exactly yeah, so, I, I that's the other thing, too, that I don't, I don't understand. They talk about... I'm a giant sports fan myself, and you talk about having no fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. If you, these stadiums hold 40,000 people for baseball, football, 80,000, you know, it's, it's huge. If you said, let's take 10,000, 15,000, put them in the stadium, you can easily socially distance people in that stadium. Yeah. Perfectly. Yep. But people, I, it's, it's like you say, it doesn't make any, a lot of this makes very little sense. And I, I'm not in the position where I'm making these policies, so I can't really, put myself in those shoes per se but from a from just a citizen's perspective you're right if if you're gonna just open just open stuff there's there's people there's these restaurants that i'm sure have hundreds of people in them and it's no different you know what i mean yeah i i agree i mean i personally am on the side of where i still think it's just too early to open stuff but Mm -hmm. technically i mean i just think that if you're gonna half-ass everything you might as well just open everything up like it, yeah. It, I mean, and I understand slowly easing into it to see the numbers and all uh, yeah, that it makes, stuff. It but. makes sense. There's, I think that's the one thing that people forget so easily about something as extreme and divisive as a pandemic might be is there's more than just one answer. There's a lot of different. There's so much nuance going on that you can't sit here. And the one thing that's always bothered me is the people that I talk to for the most part are either. Close everything, stay home, tie yourself up, or let's go out and do everything the same and and be shoulder to shoulder, neck to neck, and and like th- there's got to be a middle ground where you can do things responsibly and make your own choice. So if you are somebody who's because if you look at the numbers, if you're somebody who's young and not at risk, and you're being smart and not putting yourself in contact with those people who are at risk, make make that decision for yourself. You're an adult. Yep. If you're at risk, don't go. Don't go. If you're if you're a chronic smoker, if you're obese, if you're not eating well, if you don't have good nutrition and you're still like, oh, I want to go out and do these things, that's just not smart. You know right. what I mean? So I it's just it's just one of those things where again I mean, my wife's a teacher, schools, you know, like they're talking about doing blended schools next next in the fall, which is like a couple of days online, a couple of days in person. That well, makes sense. no sense because no. you're still going to have people in the school. Right. So I, I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know if there's a good answer. And I think a lot of it has to do with damage control, not pissing off these people. But if you do that, you're going to piss off all these people. Yeah. It's just, it's a very, I, I, everything's just backwards it seems nobody uh, really has an idea a big problem is everything's so polar opposite you yep. know what i mean you can't jump off the bridge making one decision have it be all and then the next day literally the next day have somebody of high stature or supposed high stature in our political system say something that completely um undermines what they just said the previous day. You know what I mean? Yep. That, so there's such a political divide and on both sides with every literal decision, and the people are so split by every literal decision. Where you, like what he said, where you have 
people, oh, I want to stay home, tie, you know, tie themselves up or whatever because they're so scared. Right. Because of mainstream media or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have other people on the other side saying, well, I don't give a shit about anybody else. I'm going to go out and don't you infringe on my rights. Yep. You know, so if ever, and like Ryan's saying, there needs to be some type of where there's a middle road. You know what I'm saying? But unfortunately, in today's society, that's basically damn near impossible because they set every, everybody up for it. Yep. And if, if you are a centrist, if you're somebody who is moderate and, and tries to see both sides, then you're screwed because everybody disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, and I, I found that to be the case. Even as something as simple as within my own family, my mom is one way, my dad's one way, and I'm kind of both, and I just get it from all angles. And and as somebody in your position who's who's making these big decisions, I don't know if that's happened to you yet, but I have a feeling it might. You know? Yeah, I I mean I haven't really been involved with anybody like getting mad at me about anything. I mean, it might not be you personally. Yeah, But, yeah, yeah, but when when you guys com- start yeah. to to resume activities and things, you might you might have. Who knows? You might have protesters outside oh, PR doing or yeah or anything. Um, Houses of Blues Cleveland was one. And it very well could be one of the first to open because our state, to be honest, has handled things really well so far. Yeah, definitely. And it could be on like uh, hell. You could be on on one of these blog sites like a Metal Injection or, or whoever or Blabbermouth or, or, or Loudwire. It's like House of Blues Cleveland first first venue to host a metal show since COVID-19 began and then you see all these comments I'll never I'll never go to House of Blues Cleveland again mm-hmm. because uh, how terrible you know and then you'll get the other side so that, I mean that is something that's certainly realistic yeah I personally don't think we'll be the first <laughs> I'm, I don't I'm think not so trying either. to be the guinea pig no 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 <laughs> but <laughs> but you never know yeah. yeah he's yeah. like no nah. I'm, I'm more so about <laughs> seeing how things play out before sure. I would make a decision on anything. Now, whose decision is, is that you at the final, the final say, or is there someone, uh, uh, the owner maybe? It's of definitely the up to the state. And then mm-hmm. I think then it would trickle down from like the company and the general manager of the venue. And then, I mean, I'm ready to go when I'm told to go, but right. I'm not going yet. And I sure. mean, I can like vocalize that. I don't think it's a good idea to do something like this or something like that, but like I said, I I would just rather not be the guinea pig in any of these situations. And I got to imagine that most of your counterparts, being the talent buyers at other House of Blueses, probably feel the same way. Yeah, I'm sure. So somebody's somebody's going to have to bite the bullet, not saying it's you yeah, by any means. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, I would rather just wait until we're safe and I don't want to do anything before I know that we're 100% safe. And if we are going to test something out, I think that, like, our company at least is going to put precautions in there like there's gonna be temperatures taken and all that kind of stuff and people are working on what that looks like so that's gonna be crazy yeah would you do you think you have a preference maybe on room maybe something small low-key in the banquet hall before you go to the main theater or um i think the way that things are gonna play out that the small rooms around town will probably be used first Mm -hmm. more so than the big rooms obviously i think it'll work itself up um as time goes on um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could. I'm assuming that we'd probably have something in the Cambridge room before the music hall. Right, at I this would point. think so too. And but. the other thing that's really interesting about all this—that's again, I hate to call it a silver lining, but it's something that's kind of cool—is it's cool for some reasons and bad for others. And I'll touch why it's bad, but why it's cool. Some of these big bands, these A-list bands that normally may not play a House of Blues because they're going to play at at the Q or whatever it is. 
because those big arenas are not going to be open for a very long time, they may say, let's try a, let's try a House of Blues gig. And yeah. so you might end up be working with people you normally wouldn't work with. And I know there's a lot of agent sharing and things, so it might not be as difficult, but it, it might be a little bit interesting, kind of a surreal Twilight Zone thing. Yeah, I think, I think something like that could definitely happen. Um, I haven't really seen anything like it happen yet, mm-hmm. but I think that a lot of artists, like bigger artists that would normally play amphitheaters and arenas are definitely going to be looking to do something when they can rather than yeah, wait. Make their money, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just imagine, like, Slipknot, House of Blues, Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know. There's enough, there enough, yeah. enough room on that stage. There might not be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have to cut their <laughs> that production might be really dope, though. But, yeah, yeah it, it, there's just some um, very strange times ahead. I think none of us know what what's about to happen and i think in yeah. three months or so we might we could be having a completely different conversation i hope so man we're gonna get invaded by fucking aliens and <laughs> shit dude with the way this year's going man that's the next oh, thing yeah. i think we're launching people to the moon we want you know yeah wherever the international space station that's where but moon will be next month yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and speaking of that so we're recording right now it's june 1st and if you don't know by now you got your head in the sand but there's protesters out everywhere in regards to Black Lives Matter and, and the police brutality that's been going on rampantly around around the country. And uh, it's a very touchy, sticky situation, but it also has hit home because two nights ago, they, they I don't know if they loot, I don't know what's to loot, but they broke in, they at least broke the windows of House of Blues Cleveland. That night. Yeah. I don't know how much you, you saw and, and what... What can you tell us about what happened and what, when hopefully not a lot happened? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's fine. I think, I mean, majority of the damage was just windows, and, I mean, there was some stuff pulled out. But, uh, I mean, I'm not taking this exactly from poor Cleveland, who's a coffee shop down the street, mm-hmm. but they posted something that was like, don't worry, guys, it's just things. We stand with you, etc." Mm-hmm. And I would like to agree that i mean like i'm not promoting the destruction of places yeah but i i stand with the protesters and it's a weird thing too because i'm getting all kinds of different information are the violent people from the city are they not from the city are are the protesters just being very peaceful and then these other groups are infiltrating and making them look bad or there's just so much information i don't really know what to do with it you know yeah i mean to my knowledge um it was a peaceful protest until there was like tear gas being used and burr bullets being used. And it's, yeah. it's obviously I wasn't there and I'm not going to fully speak on it, but I mean, we, we know, we see what happens across the country. We see all the police brutality mm-hmm. and we see what happened. And I think, like you said, it's a sticky subject, but um, those crowds were led. They were being forced out of certain areas mm-hmm. into new areas so all the destruction that happened was because they were being pushed along that way to to destruct those areas. And I completely understand that someone in your position, yeah. there's certain things you can say and certain things you can't say, and I completely get that. Yeah. What I will say from my own personal opinion is, and I, I've seen this a lot in the past couple of days, again, being a sports fan, is, is the whole, we're not going to shut up and dribble. We're not going to... You know, we're not going to stick to sports. We're, well, what I'm going to say, at least for me and Ian, is we're not we're going to talk about music. We love it. That's all things music. But uh, at the same time, there's so much bigger than, yeah. than music, and and we're not just going to stick to music either. I want to kind of talk about 
because these things will affect our community and will affect the music industry and on and so on and so forth and I can't sit here and say I agree or disagree because I'm not a black person. I'm I don't I I don't know what it's like at all. But what I can say is I understand the actions no matter what they are. Um and it's it's just it's just so sad because things I've learned in the past few days about how certain people are indoctrinated, whether it be in the police force or in the government or, or certain it's 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 almost like there's there's again with COVID, there's not one answer. There's multiple ways that we can skin the cat, so to speak. And I think it's gonna take a lot of reform to even make this make a difference. Otherwise, I think all this is uh, it just we had Ferguson, you know, four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. We've had we've had uh fucking what was that guy's name? Um, yeah, the Amari, the Amari, uh, can't think of his last name. Ahmed, Ahmed yeah, Amari, or something. Yeah, in in Georgia, we had uh, uh, George Zimmerman in Florida. That seems like a whole lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, and I watched this really moving clip today from uh, there was a couple of of protesters. And there was three generations of people. There was a 16-year-old African-American kid. There was a 31-year-old African-American man. And there was a 45-year-old African-American man. And the 45-year-old was like, I'm so angry. I just want to I wanna beat them all up. ACAB, you know, the whole thing. Just I, I want to rip everybody's heart out. The, thir- the, the, the 31-year-old said to the 45-year-old, I understand. I get it. But... Where has that gotten us? It hasn't gotten us anywhere. We continue to do the same things, and it's not working. And and he said, I'm 31, and even my my more passive methods aren't working. So he turns to the 16-year-old, and he says, it's up to you guys. You guys got to find that solution because we've failed. All, all of the older generations have failed because it just continues to happen. And I, and I sit there, and I, I watch it, and... It's up to the 16-year-old kid, but it's also up to 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 us, people that have the privilege. Because th- I think that's where things are really going to change. You know, I, I just... We, we have this unfortunate situation that we're treated completely differently than anybody else. And it just doesn't seem fair that, that they can't make their own destiny you know so i i don't know that's just kind of yeah no i i silence is violence like i've seen a lot and you do have to stand up for everybody and you have to stand up for the black lives matter movement and if you don't and you like you're just not going to help basically and yeah well i think especially being in the music industry as much as all three of us are is I mean, you'd be silly to sit here and say otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, because especially with what I do, I do a lot of uh, electronic music and electronic music derived from places like Detroit, um, from the African-American culture and, uh, you know, the uh, LGBT culture as well. 
and you'd be you would be really foolish to sit here and say and and be in the music industry and say anything else otherwise. Yep. And and you would probably be blacklisted and denounced, which rightfully you should be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what is there to say? It's been going on for a long time. Um, what I think is really good is there is a lot of white people out there right now. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yep. And I think that that will really help because it's, you know, our generation that's basically going to be what the change is going to be. Yeah. Because all these other generations of white people, you know, you know, our generations before, yeah, they might have denounced it, but they didn't do much about it. And that's for damn sure. Yeah, and that's, that's why these protests and everything are important. And I think that all these, like, places and all the people that are upset about places getting destroyed are just not on the side of of seeing that something needs to change and that there's a revolution happening and that it needs yeah. to happen and that there needs to be change. And I mean, we'll see, like, I know Trump just talked a little bit ago. Like, I think when I was on my way here, I'm not entirely sure what he said, but I'm sure it wasn't great. He's talking about dominating protesters. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he was reiterating that, but probably. he was talking about dominating protesters. And what's funny and I don't know if you guys saw this, but they turned the lights off in the White House. Yeah. You know the only time they do that is when a president dies. Yep. It's crazy. Crazy the old, times. The first time in history ever. You know, dude, if if you had a bunch of protesters on your doorstep, I'd go out and talk to them. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, he, he, from human exactly. to human and being humanitarian, that's what I would have done. And... and I'm sure we got some some people about that that listen to this podcast, but I'm just saying that's how I feel. I mean, honestly, we can't be t- sitting here talking about all things music and not be aware of the culture. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I agree. And I was just saying this not too long ago today that whether you're blue or red or somewhere in between, every single pr- in this situation, every single president whether it was George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George H. W. Bush, Obama, any of these presidents would have would have came out, would have talked to the protesters, would have done a a, a prime time speech or whatever. And and when this started, I, I was kind of I mean, when did this start? Like four or five days ago that it was that really set off. Originally when people were going, Oh, this isn't this isn't political, this is something else, I'm like, but it is political. Now I'm like, this isn't political. This right. is simple morality, yeah. you know, and, and ethics and just things that should be basic for, for most human beings. Um, so when you see the leader of the free world, so to speak, in cowardice in a bunker, that speaks more than anything he could have said on TV. Right. And then we sit here and go, and this is the way our country is. Well... You look at who 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 he's running against in Biden, and Biden is is and also he's responsible for a lot of what's going on too because a lot of the laws that he did with the war on drugs and and a lot of these these ridiculous minimum sentencing kind of things stems from from his policies. However, if you look at what he's saying now, or or, or at least not even him, just the platform of that that he, that he's on and that that side of of the aisle is on it's a lot better than some of this other stuff i'm hearing you know rep, uh, representative matt gates republican senator 
today said, "I'm gonna. I'm. It, you're. If you. If you are. What did he say? No quarter. Meaning, like you can. You can shoot on sight." The, since Antifa is now a terrorist organization, <laughs> yep, we, we give them no quarter. If you want to take out your guns and kill them, you'll kill them. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're you're a government official saying this. Where did we? Where? Did, how do we get here? Yeah, you the know? the next the next week or so is definitely going to be bad. So. Well, and you know, like like you said, it's supposedly the free world, dude. Ain't nothing free about it, bro. No. Not a damn thing nope. is free about this shit. And not only that, you know, corporations been ru- ruining our shit for a while, dude. And that's, looting all that shit, who cares? They they just took billions from us from the, the coronavirus bailout. Right. It was supposed to have been for the damn people. Yep. We should all got $10,000 checks. Where the fuck that go? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> straight up like it's 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 so funny it's it's comical it's 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 so not funny that it is comical like you got to just laugh at it because what else can you fucking do yeah and um yeah i mean what is there to say dude honestly what is there to say the the only thing that gives me hope is that and hopefully this because this has happened in the past and it hasn't worked out this way but the the younger generations the gen z's the millennials even the gen x there seems to be a lot more uh, activism a lot less talk more walk no matter what side of the aisle you're on mm-hmm. so i think that as time goes and some of these so old boring. establishment types are gone and not not in the lifetime politicians i think then is when we'll really, really see that revolution because right. that that's what it's going to take. It takes from within. Unfortunately, and what I'm learning in just these, in these past five days is as a citizen, we only have so much power. Even together, yeah. we only have so much power. Exactly. And, and it took something like this for that to happen, you know, for us to, to realize that, you know, we're kind of handcuffed to, to who, who writes the laws and who, who makes these things. And we, that's why... It's so important to vote, even when it seems like you're between a giant douche and a turd sandwich to quote yeah. South Park. Yep. You, 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 <laughs> that, I you was on earlier today. I watched that earlier today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was on. That's a very topical at the moment. Yeah, it was. But uh, <laughs> that you, you got you got to go for the, the, the one that's going to, the, what do they say, the path, the path of least resistance. Yeah, I, I mean, I still, I obviously, like you mentioned before, there's a lot that Biden's responsible for, and obviously he's not what we all want, I don't think. Right, it's, no. I don't yeah. think anybody that um, stands for this is standing with Biden, but I think I do agree that it is the the better route to take, obviously. The lesser of two evils. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And I'm not going to like say anything good about Biden because I don't have really anything good to say. But <laughs> like you said, I mean, like the way that Trump is handling this is bad. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, there's there's literally no other way to put it. And all these other people, all these people that support him are, I don't know what kind of Kool-Aid they'd be drinking, man. It is. It's, it's Kool-Aid. But, it, but yeah. what else? I mean, with you would think over time, over the consistently bad shit that he's done people would drop him yep no but they, they don't they go more into his corner with him. it's seriously yeah. it's insane no seriously the last couple of days i feel like and it really you see shows. more more support almost and you know what it is man it's louder support 
though. Yeah, not it's not more. Yeah, he's not like gaining followers, well, but his followers is, are getting that loud. That side is, let's yeah. be realistic, loud to begin with. The yeah, problem true. Is, uh, <laughs> the problem is the people in our corner are done dealing with it. Yep. And, and what's important? That's what we're saying. When you said something about Antifa earlier, um, you know, it's everybody that supports equality is basically now been labeled a terrorist yeah. member. We we could all literally just mm-hmm. by this podcast be liter- be labeled as Antifa members because we agree and denounce or we agree with equality and denounce whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Which well, now not, you're either a terrorist or a fascist. There's no in between, yeah. basically, is what is being well, said. Well, and, so. and what people don't know, and I'm just going to say this straight on here, is Antifa was founded as an anti-fascist organization. Right. You know exactly. what that means? Anti-Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> to, to put that in terms, it was built to battle the Nazis and fascists. Yeah. Now, how... How is an, being an Antifa person to begin with bad? That's what I don't understand. So, the thing about it is, in these fringe groups, you're going to have bad people, regardless of, of what group it is. There are some asshole idiots in Antifa. Yeah. Just like there are some asshole idiots in, in the white nationalists. But, There's a lot more in white well, nationalists. What's the ratio, yeah. right? That's what's what I'm saying. The There's a lot more, absolutely. Yeah. But, of course... In the age of the digital age, the social media age, what gets magnified? You right. Know? Well, and see, I saw something earlier too, and I think this like puts it best too, is that you can have bad apples in some organizations, but you can't have bad apples in some organizations. So, like, you can't have. Thanks. I'll take the pip actually. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice, Mr. Yeah. Pip is the shit. Um, but you can't have a couple bad cops. But like you said, there's a couple bad people protesting i'm sure there are but that what is the effect of that compared to the couple bad cops yeah so yeah last time i checked and someone can correct me if i'm wrong but a true protester hasn't killed anybody exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i mean these these we haven't seen a single report of any police officer dying no. over this weekend well there was i don't know if you guys seen it i'm, I'm just gonna say this um i don't know what happened about it but there was a video of i can't remember what city maybe i think it was somewhere in texas um because everybody was wearing cowboy boots yeah and white pants it makes sense so it has to but be there there was a shop owner with a gun that was trying to defend his property and basically a group of 40, 50 protesters beat him down and kicked him until he was... I'm, I'm sure after this you'll see the video because Facebook listens to everything we do. Yeah, but probably, yeah. his <laughs> limbs were all bent up and shit, and he's laying on the ground. There's blood all over the ground, and it was an absolutely disgusting display and vulgar display of shit that was really equally bad or maybe worse because of the amount of people involved that did it as opposed to what this was all about in the first place. Right. Um, I don't know if the guy's dead because you could see him moving, but he's got to be pretty damn near yeah, close to death. Do you know? And he's wearing that green plaid. Yeah. Um, I just wanted, I want to be factual on here because I don't want people to come yeah. back and say, you know, this, this, and that. But um, we definitely don't condone that, and it's definitely very disappointing, and hopefully. 
And you know that, and I will say because a lot of people have been saying, "Well, all white people have been do this. White people have been doing this. That have been part of the protest because they want to just burn shit down." Yeah. No, this in this video was black and white people, both. So I just want to say that for record. Yeah. Um. Damn, I had something and I lost it. Fuck. <laughs> I've been like that all day. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. So the other thing about it is you're having. The problem, again, with us not having a leader in the country, you're having a lot of these smaller leaders say different things. For example, uh, the some of the grandsons and granddaughters of Martin Luther King Jr. have said, no, violence is okay. This is this is all right. Our, our, our grandfather actually said in some cases violence is, is okay. And I believe he did, and I I, I didn't did. get like super into that, but I believe I I, I believe the quotes, and I believe you know who am I to question the, the grandson of Martin Luther King Jr. and I'm not. At the same time, you have the family of George Floyd saying, "No, no, no, please, please, do not be violent. We this is not what he would have wanted. We just want peaceful protesting." So when you have multiple leaders saying multiple things, there's no unification. Yeah. Well, you know? also, I mean. Most of the protests have started out peaceful and right. had that turn. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, like I said, I'm not at any of these places, but from what I've seen and what I've heard from people that have been there, it's the turn from the authority. Mm -hmm. The authority doesn't want these large groups of people because they get scared. So, I mean, if if they just let everybody peacefully protest, I don't think we would be seeing a lot of what I mean, we're we, seeing. We saw that especially in Akron last night. Yeah, sure. Because um, a lot of my really close friends were there, and actually my really close friend, I'm not going to say his name, but he made the cover of CNN, Akron Beacon Journal. The kid the kid that was running through all that tear gas. Oh, wow. you seen the picture? That was one of my really close friends. He was at my house last night, and they did start that. Yeah. Or not the protesters, but the 5-0, the authorities. Yep. They started that. That's they what, were that's people what's protesting. Exactly. And that's a major problem. So I don't know if that's ever going to be corrected because even back during Martin Luther King days, that famous picture, five minutes after that is when they the police sicked the dogs on them. They started yep. hitting them with tear gas and all this other shit. So it's just like history repeats itself. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how do you tackle something like that? Because even when you peaceful protest, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, read a statistic a couple hours ago that said that when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, 75% of people in America still disapproved of him. This, this could easily be one of those things where a decade from now, this is all such a different kind of vibe. Right. Um, what I will say is I've seen enough videos just going i hate going on twitter right now because it's just it's horrible it's horrible but i've seen yeah. enough videos that, that, of, of police not doing their job properly that that i i'm totally understand that and it's definitely escalated I, there was a kid who was simply on the ground just his hands up you know doing hands up and 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 just getting really emotional verbally just like crying like why why is this happening why is this not doing a single thing. The cops are lined up in a barricade, and then some cop comes from behind and goes and arrests him just for talking. Yep. The other one that got me even, this one got me so bad because this speaks to the culture of police. There was a cop 
with like a face shield on, but you could see his face, and there was a, a African American woman like mm. crying to him and everything, and he gets emotional. He starts tearing up because he he's a human, you know. He, yeah. He 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 understands to an extent what's going on. The other cops recognize that. They get the the supervisor and they say, "Hey, go, go to the back." They bring another badass cop in with with a baton. He's like, "All right, you know." Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like you. you yeah. You have to. You have to be. They keep calling it the small dick energy. <laughs> saying that, and it's so true. How how much do you guys actually know about police culture? Like, have you ever like? Do you do you have any police in your family or anything? I don't. Do you? I know you don't, Ryan. Right? I just know what what he told me the other day, and that was eye opening in itself. So, well, yeah, I'm gonna say that. Someone, you know, he already said it, but I can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone very close to me was in was in um, a police uh, academy, yeah, and they it was in sub middle of suburb white, you know, suburban white, and um, it's just the the stuff that they went through was very very interesting and eye opening. And the amount of racism, blatant disregard for Muslims, African Americans, uh, Mexicans, and everybody that was not white is just absolutely disgusting. And that is literally what the police culture look for. And they literally will tell you, even like when you're, they're training you to be in their, you know, for the job. Because, yeah. you know, you got to go and you got to pay to be an academy. Right. When they train you, they don't even give a shit. They say, you can lie on this, you can do this, this, that, and no one's going to care. You know what I mean? Yep. As long as you can pass your weapons training. Yeah, that's sad. It's really sad, dude. Because, yeah. I, like I said, I was there, and I, through this whole thing, I even paid for it and everything. You know, I paid to put her, put the, yeah, put her through this. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. Put them through this. Yeah. Edit that out. <laughs> anyway um yeah dude it's it's insane so from a very personal standpoint out of the box they're not even out of the box but in the fucking box they're teaching you that these things are okay yeah and every single instructor is a white male every single one yeah Yeah, I mean, what do you it's say? About, what do you say about that? The system's what, broken. What can you even say about that? Yeah, you I mean, it was never anything. it was never correct, but it's just been broken, I guess, for however long. Yeah, and it's so it yeah, it's to gonna fixed. take it's gonna take change from within. That's all. It's gonna happen. Yeah. And to circle back to music, what I'm starting to see is, <laughs> especially from from a lot of, I noticed this about three or four months ago. Lately, more than others, um, I'm heavy into the metal community. And I start to see this paradigm shift between the type of metal you like and how you uh, how you lean politically. Yeah, and I yeah. never noticed before. I'm a lover of heavy music. I don't care if it's metalcore, deathcore, or thrash metal, or new wave of British heavy metal. I just like heavy music. It's whatever. So I've never really like put myself in a in a category. But then I noticed that a lot of the scene group, the 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 that type of, of demographic is very left leaning. And then I start to see some of the old school metal group being more right leaning. Yeah. A good example is trapped. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. A good example. No. The example. No, I, 
sustained, but uh, you're not on Twitter, so you don't really know the whole trapped thing. Oh, right I do. Now. I've seen it. Okay. He's and he's still going off by the hour. Yeah. Around. I like him and Ice T beefing is is my favorite. It. And then he got the in a he got in a fight with the the one guy who ha, who went to jail for murder. I can't remember his name. He was he's a uh, punk rock singer or something. And he went to jail for like uh, uh, attempted murder, and he got out or whatever. And I'm like, you're gonna die. Yeah. You're picking <laughs> fights with the wrong people. Nice people. Oh my god! And th- like, there's 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 dudes I know on on Twitter that are in bands that are like, if we see you out on the tour circuit at all, we will throw hands without question. He's like, oh well, then you're gonna get a face full of lead. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, good luck with that, buddy. Um, yeah. But yes, trapped. And there's there's a couple others. And I, I I see a lot of people saying like, listen, there's bands we tour with. We haven't seen you say anything. We're gonna remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. I hate that it's so divisive. But at this point, you you can't not be. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. And I'm not saying these some of these bands are gonna be blackballed or anything like that. But I think some of them some of them are thinking, oh, if we don't say anything. I we'll we'll walk the line. I think so too. We'll walk the line, and and we won't we won't alienate any of our fans. But I think not saying something is going to do more damage in the long term because people are going to be like, "Where were you? What did you do? Yeah. Did you do a donation? Did you do anything at all? You know." So I think I already said this, but silence is violence. Yeah. You're promoting you're promoting the the police violence more so if you're being silent. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, Let's switch gears because it's been a yeah, somber yeah. half hour here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, gr- so first of all, before I can even ask this question, tell me about how you even got into the position you're in, as far as just even booking in the industry in general, or I don't know if you were a musician at one point or anything like that. Tell me about yeah. your, your your background. Um, I've never been a musician. I I did at one point <clears throat> try to play guitar. Uh, <laughs> just don't have the patience. I have to. Yeah. be immediately be able to get good at something i don't have like i tried skateboarding for a long time yeah. but it's not like i'm not the kind of person that can work on something for like two years to the point where that's how long it's going to take i just don't have the patience for it so let me ask you this what what is there out there that you can be immediately good at nothing that's cool <laughs> for sure maybe some like video <laughs> games but even then it takes some practice yeah i don't know i mean i i like i like doing like i like practicing and i like dedicating myself to something but i think like just the disheartening of like other people being good at it and you're still not there and you have to keep pushing it i just or even more than that being really good at it and still not and and seeing people that are not as good at it getting way more clout than you yeah exactly that's, that's a big one too for sure yeah so i wasn't a musician um but i got really into music like when i was in middle school um the first show i went to is lesson jake and goldfinger at oh, the yeah. House of blues yep uh, and I would say that was like the eye-opening, like, oh, like I'm gonna get really into punk rock and yeah. ska and whatever. Okay. Uh, so uh, I got really into music, and I was going to shows all the time. Warp tour, I assume. Yeah, I went to Warp tour mm-hmm. every year. Um, nope. I would travel to like Philly and Chicago and Detroit in high school all the time, and I would like go drive. Just on at, like, your own, like with friends, like how was that? S- I actually did go on my own sometimes, um, with wow. friends sometimes as well. You have cool um, parents, man. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> mom always was letting me do cool shit. That's so, dope. um, yeah. Uh, and then my senior year, there was like an opportunity to do a senior project, which I'm pretty sure everybody does. Um, I did mine at the grog shop. I don't know if I did mine. <laughs> uh, it was basically like a fake internship where you would like, yeah, you, you either stayed in school for an extra two weeks or you interned somewhere for two weeks. Okay. Um, 
and it had to be for the senior project credit. You didn't have to get paid or whatever like college makes you do. Um, so I interned at the grog shop my senior year. Then I went to Kent State. Um, I joined. What, what? Yep. <laughs> I joined uh, Black Show Radio. So I like had my own radio show for a couple months, and then I was asked to become like the promotions director. When did you go to Kent State? Uh, I graduated in 2016, so 2012 to 2016. What the fuck, man? So I'm sitting here thinking he's he's older than. No, nah, I'm, I'm young. Older than Harry. I'm 27. Six, 26. I'm gonna be 27. I graduated Sorry. in 2013 from Kent State. Oh, nice. Okay. Did you live on campus or anything like that? Uh, I lived in Lake Hall first year, and then I lived in okay. townhomes second year, third year. I lived in Eagles Landing, and then Eagles the fourth Landing. year. Yeah. Lit. Yeah. My <laughs> buddy lived there. I lived uh, Fletcher in Eastway. Nice. Trevor Lake. Where was Lake? It, Lake was the unknown dorm, like undecided dorm. Um, so all the undecided majors were there. Where was it on campus? Right next to Olson. Do you know where the old Yeah, is? I right next the, to the Mac Center. Yep. Yeah. Got it now. Actually, that was a nice spot because it wasn't too like uh, busy. Yeah. You know? No, it was. I liked living there. Um, I was supposed to live in Olson because I was a journalism major. Same. And then they I switched. <laughs> yeah, I, I switched as well. <laughs> but they paired me with somebody um, who was undecided for some reason, and then like the, like something in the system got messed up, and then they put us both in Lake instead of Olson. Interesting. Very weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I became the promotions director at Blast for Radio. Um, which, whereas I, I got like a ton of like venue contacts while I was doing that. So was, I would set up like ticket giveaways and all that stuff. So that's when I met like the marketer at House of Blues, marketer at Agora. This was way before Agora was like AEG and before my marketer. Did you marketer. do any USG stuff at Kent? I didn't. Okay. I wanted to, I just never really got involved with it. Um, I did book shows for the radio station. I booked like, like just a couple like local-ish shows. Sure. Um, and then... Uh, I took over as the general manager of the radio station my senior year, mm. but I wanted to keep like my ties with the promotions director stuff, so I would keep in touch with all those people that I was always in touch with for the ticket giveaways and stuff. Um, while I was doing this, I was working for Bravo Artist. Um, I was a marketing manager for a couple of years. Who were you working with? Uh, was it Alex? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my, my childhood friend... I don't know if you, you might know him, Ben Lubitz. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I knew Ben from from eight from six months on. We we went to all the daycares together, went to oh, the nice. same schools and everything like that. And we actually <sighs> hate to do this because it's not it's not fair. Um, we started a company a company with quotes in middle school called Blitzkrieg Booking and Promotions. And oh, that wow. was both of our first ever experience booking bands. It was like you know book your buddy's band at your friend's barn type of thing yeah but it was booking regardless and then we started to get a little more into it and we eventually ended up managing a group called chromium out of south africa and and got them on like the mtv of south africa and oh wow it's really dope like when i was like a junior in high school yeah and then we were like oh yeah we'll still do this in college and everything and then he went to osu i went to kent we just kind of stopped and we started doing our own stuff, and then he started Bravo Artist right after we stopped doing that. So I was like, I always like to think, yeah, maybe I had a little, a little something to do with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's yeah, pretty cool. Ben's so, great. Alex yeah. is great. Corey's great. Um, yep. But I did. I was our marketing manager for like, I would say probably almost four years. Okay. So I was doing that at the same time as BSR stuff. Um, and then I I just wanted to do something like more. Um, there's not really a lot of growth that you can do at a company like that. Um, yeah. Because there's there's not like it's a great company, obviously, but like the people who run it are gonna run it. It's not you're not gonna like be able to 
exceed you, anything you have a, you're doing. only a high ceiling right yeah and I, I loved the idea of marketing I graduated with a public relations degree so that I could fall anywhere if That's music didn't work move. out yeah I, I figured if I couldn't work at like I wanted to work at a record label basically like my whole college career after I switched out of journalism um, but I figured that if if like music didn't work out like being like the PR director of like Chipotle or something like that. Like you could do anything <laughs> Yo, with PR. Easiest job ever, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Our like, food's awesome. Come eat it. Yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> for when they have salmonella. Yeah, it's true. When they have salmonella. Yeah, yeah that, that's probably a bad example because they do get called out on their food stuff a lot. But yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. And then like, I mean, I thought I was like pretty good at running social media at the time. Like I thought I did a pretty, pretty good job with the Bravo artist social media. For okay the couple of years I was doing it. So that's why I did PR. I was like, this is a good fallback. I could do anybody's social media. I can do anything if music doesn't work out. Um, but so while I was looking for like new jobs, I applied to a couple, like I wanted, I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to either get into beer or I'm going to get into music. <laughs> so I applied at like Great Lakes and a couple, like I applied for like a PBR job, oh, stuff man. like that. You'd have to wear flannel every day to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I saw this, well, I didn't see it. My my buddy who actually lives in Madison, Wisconsin now and is also works for Live Nation in a way now, uh, he saw this Live Nation job in Cleveland and he said, hey, like, you should you should apply for this. Like, it'd be great. And, uh, and like, the booking thing always was a big interest of mine. Um, I love doing marketing. I think marketing is awesome. I feel like it's just as important as the booking. Absolutely. Um, but... Like I always thought it was interesting, and I didn't really know too much about it. So I interviewed, and uh, I interviewed at the right time, and all those connections that I made, like Kathy at the Grog Shop, the senior year internship, and then the... Just keep like, that virtual Rolodex, so to speak. And it, it really, like, I mean, like, you can have all the experience in the world, but it really is all about reaching out know. and keeping connections mm-hmm. and knowing who you know. And I think it's really important to show interest in, like, the fact that I kept in touch with, like, the marketer at House of Blues at the time... So that, like, when I applied for the job, I reached out to her and I said, hey, can you put in a good word for me? And she mm-hmm. did. And then it's like, then, like, I have Kathy putting in a good word for me at the Grog. And then it's like, then they call, like, I had an, a friend who ran Hope This Helps Booking in this area, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in the Cuyahoga Falls area. Okay. And I interned with him for a day. And now he's an agent in New York at APA. Wow. And... That also helped me. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of key factors that needed to be. It's a perfect storm, and it always seems to be that way. Exactly. Um, it, it again it, with sports, it's kind of like when you got thirty teams and one of them can win the championship. It has everything has to line up perfectly. Yep, so was it's, it's the perfect lineup. Yeah. So um, that that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, like I enjoyed the first couple of years. I really enjoy what I do now more. Um, but there's always a starting point, obviously. How much, as far as your personal music taste go into like do you have to step back sometimes and be like i'm booking too much of one thing because i like it or are, are you are you i assume you're an eclectic listener we all are but yeah like can you can you be like uh, maybe i'll book a little bit more of this because i'm leaning a little heavy on this lately or, or you know it, it's more so um it, uh, like obviously i get excited when i get hit up about booking something that I like yeah. or like something like I, my basically all my background is punk and ska and pop punk and Dope. shit right. but I went through like waves of punk ska and then I was like 
pop punk and then i came back and it's all so it's just it's good fun happy music yeah yeah (laughs) and like i mean like i listen to a lot of hardcore uh i'm not like super into like the metalcore stuff but i like a lot of the bands um Every time I die, which is interesting because I, since House of Blues books so much metal, I figured, yeah. you know, maybe, but I'm familiar with the genre for sure. sure, sure. Um, I, I would like, I mean, I like a lot of, like, I, le- I love Every Time I Die, yeah, uh, Ghost Inside, Great live show, yeah. I, I like, I like a good amount of like metalcore stuff, but I, that I definitely be on lean. Your list then when they when they start to do their Ghost Inside starts to do their their comeback tour, I know that would be a dope, yeah, dope kind of yeah. Thing. I I think like. The last time that they played in Cleveland was with Every Time I Die at House of Blues. Wow. Uh, I don't remember how long ago that was, but... It had to be a while. Yeah, it was. It was like them, and then uh, Backtrack was supposed to play, but they dropped off, and uh, Architects played too. Wow, what an insane yeah. bill. Yeah, and Jesus. and I think 100th. Wow. Yeah. That's So crazy. that was cool. That was a good show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I mean... Uh, it's more so agents reaching out to us rather than us reaching out. I mean, like I'll I'll send a note when I like like a band or I see a band's on the rise or I see a band is playing other cities that sure. I know's big or like or a rapper or anything, and I'll send a note and be like, hey, like would love to have this guy in Cleveland. Would love to have your artist play in Cleveland. Like please reach out. Um, so I, I I don't ever feel like I'm putting my own taste like it makes out sense. there too much. It, it offered a really fresh perspective because. A house of blues is a staple. Almost every major city has a house of yeah. blues. So when the agents are looking at their routing, they're like, "Okay, we're gonna go this city next. What are our options here? We need this capacity." Yeah, and you mo- kind of I mean, fall most into- agents have like a list of all the promoters. So if I get hit up, the Gore is getting hit up, mm-hmm. like Grog Shop's getting hit up, Beachland's getting hit up, and like the Bravo guys are getting hit up. We're all getting hit up. It's just who sends the best offer. Fair enough. So it's, so it's, it's not necessarily a, about capacity. It is. I mean, yeah. If like a band that can sell a house of blues isn't going to play at the Agora or at the at the Rock Shop or the yes, Beachland, right? I mean, they might if they want to play a smaller show. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there, there's definitely like a capacity thing that like it's flexible. Like if somebody does can do like 700 people at the House of Blues, they can sell at the Beachland. So it's like who's going to give us more money, basically? Now I have to imagine that. It, at least at the beginning, maybe now it's not as bad because people understand. But when you started doing this, all your friends and and, and people were like, "Oh, you got to get this band here. Why didn't you do that? They are in Columbus, yeah. not Cleveland." You probably got that a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I'm sure it's now it's between that down. and then like the people that like I've seen once in my life and added me on Facebook <laughs> and then will message me for guest list and that I've never Ooh. talked to them in my no, life. Like not, just not, stuff not like good, that. Not a good move. Yeah. I mean that that was all those people come out of the woodwork all the time so i mean i don't mind i like i think i like i tweeted something like a month ago and i was like i miss all those people hitting me up it on is Facebook. weird how you, yeah how you all of a it's sudden, been like three months since i've gotten like a random person messaging me what i would do to be but, annoyed right now right, right. <laughs> um on the flip side of that what's really cool is at least i don't know how this works how many of the acts that you book do you get to meet on a personal level um, I think, I think I, like, I think the situation is, like, strange because I don't ever want to, like, bother an artist. I mean, I interact with the tour manager sure. for every show. Um, and, like, I think the coolest thing that's happened since I started working there is that I got to meet Tom DeLong. That's and nice. it wasn't, like, a full conversation, but it was, like, a I got to, like, shake his hand and, like, talk to him for, like, a minute. And I think that's, like, one of the coolest things. Yeah. It's, like, I mean, like, I grew up on Blink. 
<clears throat> and like was he there with um, Angels and Airways? I guess I figured. Okay. Um, I got to like Tiki Max Sunday played a couple months ago, and I like shot the shit with Adam like for two hours after the show. I Hell thought that yeah. was awesome. Uh, there's been there's been a lot of cool like getting to meet, but like more so, I try to like give everybody their space. Sure. Like Snoop Dogg played in January, I wasn't gonna like go like, "Hey Snoop Dogg." Like, you got more up, strength than I. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, "Yo Snoopy." But like he yeah. walked right by me, and I was like, "Yo, that's pretty tight." Like I didn't know Snoop Dogg was like as tall as he is, and I were like, "DMX, yeah. oh, like, is he really? yeah, he's oh, he's really, he's a like lanky dude. He's like yeah. tall and skinny." And then like DMX, like I was just standing on the side <laughs> of the stage waiting for him to come out, and he just like walked by me with like a lit cigarette, and like I was like, "Wow, this is like the coolest shit." I'm standing like, right next to DMX. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we we've been doing this podcast for a little over a year. And now and we've been very fortunate to have festival press passes and, and yeah and been able to interview a lot of a lot of really decent names and we did our first house of blues interview three four months ago escape the fate oh cool and i've never been the fall universe show yes yeah and i've never been backstage in on the house in the main stage before so it was it's cool because we had the tour manager I mean, in this this they, show, yeah, was they walk you, through the crowd, yeah. and, it, and that's it, awesome. Eighty percent girls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we yeah. we were going through, and and uh, we we went back, and then we it was like a movie. You go back, and all the all the guitar techs are tuning the guitars. You go up the stairs. There's the green room. It's like, whoa, this is cool, man. I just wanted to talk about music, and what what ended up happening is, you know, we got we continue to have these awesome experiences. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a cool tour of the venue whenever things open up if you guys want sounds one. good to me yeah yeah i can't refuse that yeah we yeah, asked mike this, so i might as well ask you this now that you've mentioned it ghost stories you got anything you got any cool weird the agora's kind of... definitely got way more ghost well, stories been around <laughs> a lot longer but... uh i actually got a cool like i went to go buy it was one of the last agora shows before they closed for a little bit i went to go buy street manifesto tickets nice. and the owner was working i don't he's not the owner anymore i'm pretty sure it's that are burnt out but uh yeah the owner at the time like gave us a full tour of the venue and i didn't know about any of the shit that was up there at the time i mean it's completely redone now mm-hmm. and i've seen it since but mm-hmm. like i thought that was the coolest thing like ever and he, he and out scary ass shit yeah oh there's that <laughs> place definitely um and then also the masonic which we were working at for a while that place also is very very much like got some shit going on in it house of blues though not not any like spooky character was it what was it before it was the house of blues do you know uh, I, somebody actually our the the maintenance person who works there sent us a picture of it pre-house of blues i don't know what it was to be honest um maybe there's some spirits still in there maybe uh definitely <laughs> definitely not like sp- it, it's just like i mean everywhere you go in the building it's like you get the stage and then you get the backstage and then right. the foundation like all of it's just too like nice and done up to have like anything like yeah ghost wise you're there maybe like three or four a.m by yourself yeah i I haven't done that (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure um well who 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 is the number one knowing your taste in music now who and you can't say angels and airwaves because yeah you just said that (laughs) Who is your uh, Who is your number one favorite act to book? Where you were when when it all got done and you and you saw it and you were like, "Fuck yeah!" Um, the Snoop Dogg show was really cool. Um, I think I think the first time when I got to book Listen Jake, I think was the coolest because it like goes back to like like I was sitting, I was it was two thousand eight, so I was 
how old, 15, mm-hmm. and I was sitting up with one of my buddies at the time and his dad in like the seats and that, that was like the life-changing moment for me like watching us and jake and goldfinger and i think it's really fucking cool now that i work like in an office like 40 feet away from where like that moment happened to me so i think like after i booked that lesson jake show circle. yeah it was like a full circle moment that's cool um i thought it was really cool uh and then like i was really excited because like the wonder years were one of my favorite bands for a really long time mm-hmm. and i was excited that i finally had gotten to book them and they had never like headlined at the house of blues they always headlined the agora or like the grog shop back in the day and then that was one of the shows that got the cancel it was like three days after the the bad pandemic start so i was like really excited about that one hopefully that can be coming back you know you can do that again salvage right yeah yeah for sure yeah mike was telling us uh that you you and him have a have a friendly competitive kind of thing yeah definitely like oh i got these guys you didn't kind of thing yeah and like every time he like announces something that i'm pissed that they got i always (laughs) make sure i'm the first person to angry react (laughs) (laughs) to his like facebook post that's funny um, but it's like friendly competition, but there are some times where I'm like, damn it, Mike, like, damn it, Chris, like you guys f- fucked me on this well, one. You're the two, <laughs> and I, so that's how it came up. Cause I asked him that you guys between A and G, AEG and live nation, you're the two powerhouse. Yeah. You know, you're, you're the guys. Yeah. So I think, I mean like, and there's obviously like, like very like big competition between live nation and AEG mm-hmm. where like the, the heads of the companies obviously are not ever going to be able to see eye to eye or come yeah. get along maybe now with all this stuff happening but like i i think it's important to stay friendly with those guys and i've known those guys before i worked for live nation and before they became aeg too so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah with uh with agents because now when we get we don't talk to agents but we talk to a lot of pr and it's right. similar where when i end up talking to the same PR agent over and over you start to get a camaraderie you start it starts to get maybe a little bit less formal a little bit more like just here we go this is what we need you got does that is that become something that's like second nature now whereas before it was like yeah. I got to be really formal and now I'm just like I can just talk about like whatever like hey how you doing just yeah know. it's definitely important to become friends with the people that you're working with mm-hmm. uh, especially like town buyers and agents should definitely have uh, a better relationship obviously it's still important to be formal but uh, it, it does turn into a point where, yeah, it, it could be casual. And, like, yeah, you'll, like, see each other at a festival or something and you grab a drink together or, That's cool. like, shoot the shit. Yeah. And is there ever any times where maybe it's not you, but maybe in another situation where there's just a falling out or something just doesn't go right with finances or somebody pisses somebody else off and it's just, like... Yeah, I mean, any, could, anything can happen. You could, you could, like, fuck something up really bad and they can never want to the show with you again anything can happen i mean it's not happened to me right um but i it definitely happens for sure interesting yeah um is there anything you wanted to say before we wrapped it up no well man i appreciate you coming out yeah Um, sorry it took so long no man you're fine we had a good conversation a lot of different stuff yeah i hope those windows get fixed yeah and not broken they should be they should be fixed pretty shortly right so we, we're not opening anytime soon anyway so <laughs> i guess that's true um as sad as that is but yeah. you know what let's let's hope that we get through this 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 pandemic this civil unrest as some call it but as uh, these these very valid protests and and we get to the next phase of where we're going in society and and i think we all and that's the one thing about sports and music is when you go to a show 
you don't know if the guy behind you is a, a MAGA guy. You don't know if the guy next to you is Antifa or whatever. We're all just here to enjoy the experience and the music, and we we need that now more than ever. This could not have happened at a worse time where we have no escapism. Yeah. So let's hope that that... I will say that I back. hope that there isn't a MAGA person near me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. But yeah. uh, you know, what, do you, what can you do? But yeah. uh, awesome. So as always, we're out.